Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Intentionally Inspirational Marketing Talk podcast with Brandy Montambo and Jason Wright. What's going on, everybody? Jason Wright here without Brandy this week on another um, episode of the podcast. I've got an old guest back with us. He was on episode 99 back in December of 2017, believe it or not. I've got Paul Moore with me. He's a managing partner of Wellings Capital, the co-host of the How to Lose Money podcast. And glad to have you back, Paul. Hey, it's great to be here, Jason. Awesome. So what is, what's new with you since the last time we spoke? What has changed for you and your business? Well, when I was chatting with you last time, we were about to close on a 125-unit townhome uh, community in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, a real estate syndication. What we found is that um, multifamily apartment investing is really overheated. And so for people looking to generate passive income, if you've got a, you know, an online business or some type of entrepreneurial venture and you're looking to generate passive income on the side, we've been thinking a lot about the best ways to do that. And uh, we've come up with some new ways to do that, new for us at least. And so we're really excited to chat about that. Awesome. Sounds good. That's always uh, something I'm interested in. I know my audience is as well. So I'd love to hear what you've got. All right. So, you know, so multifamily investing, apartment investing is overheated for a reason. And their reason is, I mean, it is, there is international money, you know, rushing in, in, in record amounts at uh, multifamily investing. There's also uh, IRA money in the U.S. There is institutional money. There are, you know, real estate investment trusts. And frankly, there's a whole lot of newbies who are overspending, sometimes willfully and sometimes not so much. And so we are looking for other asset classes to invest in that make sense. And we have landed on self-storage and also mobile home parks. And some of the reasons for that is there are tremendous fragmentation in those markets, the ownership of those type of assets. There's a lot of mom and pops. I mean, tens of thousands of mom and pop owners. And so they don't know how to maximize income. They don't know how to maximize uh, the value. And we are working with operators who really do. It's kind of stepping back though. A lot of people think, you know, hey, I want to flip a house on the side to generate some passive or you know, some semi-passive income, or I want to build up a stable of rental homes, you know, to, uh, to continue to generate wealth for me. When the online, you know, world or whatever I'm doing changes, uh, I want to have a, some passive wealth. And I can tell you that for a very large percentage of people, Jason, it's not passive and it's much harder than people expect it'll be. And for some of the same reasons, multifamily have gone up. All real estate right now, almost all real estate is really overheated. And so it's very hard to get a good deal. And it's very easy to be a sucker if you're new at it. I can tell you, I was on HGTV's House Hunters. Um, it's not as easy as it looks on TV. Trust me. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. So my wife and I were talking about this the other day and on house owners, doesn't it always seem like one person is the janitor and the other person <laughs> makes racers with their budgets, $900,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it seems like that often. This was not the case. My couple was, he, he ran several high-end uh, restaurants in D.C., one a few blocks from the White House. So he really, oh, nice. they really did have the money. Good, good deal. So when you say overheated. Did you say making erasers? Yeah. <laughs> it's always I, some crazy jobs and you're like, what? What's going on here? That's new. Okay. I like that. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> so when you say overheated, you're talking about it's, there's a lot of people in it, a lot of competition, kind of a mm -hmm. crowded space. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. The first time we bought a house on the courthouse steps in the year 2000, we were the only people on the steps. We bought a house that was valued at 65000 for 34 maybe it was 32 and we made a nice $25,000 profit on it within, you know, a few months. Mm -hmm. But it's not that easy anymore. That same courthouse auction might have five people bidding on the house. They might bid it up to 45000 And once you get all the transaction costs, the painting, the new HVAC, whatever, you know, you're, there's a very slim profit typically. What's interesting is, um, I think this is maybe two years ago, I was reading up on tax liens and I went to our county's local auction for tax liens and um, just guessing, but I think there's some newbies in the room because I had kind of driven around and seen some of these local properties and this one couple just kept outbidding everybody. And I was like, why do you want that property? Have you ever seen it? Like, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to ever get rid of it? Like, And like you say, I think a lot of people here or think that real estate is a place for everybody to get rich. If I talk to 10 people that say they have rentals, and it's usually a few, maybe one out of 10 says they like the experience. A lot of people are like, man, yeah. it's way harder than I thought. I can't get uh, people that will take care of the yeah. stuff. And you know, you hear the headaches. So um, no, that's really interesting what you're saying. So is real estate still something people should be looking into or what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I think real estate, I, I can tell you pretty confidently, uh, if you look at the list of Forbes 400, the wealthiest people out there, the vast majority invest in real estate, but not residential. They mm -hmm. typically invest in commercial real estate and there are reasons for that. And I could go into a few if you like. Absolutely. So in residential real estate, if you're thinking about investing, you know, you can be Chip and Joanna Gaines Jr. and you can take a $400,000 house and you can add, you know, in a, ba a basement, I mean, you know, finish the basement, you can build out the attic, you can add all these wonderful spaces and Viking stove. I saw one yesterday for 17,000, seriously. <laughs> um, and you can add all the stuff, but if the if you put six hundred thousand in it, but the neighborhood is only valued in general at three hundred thousand, you're never going to get that out of it because residential real estate is based on comps or comparables, yep. and that's how it's valued. But commercial real estate's an entirely different ball game. Commercial real estate has a formula, and you might want to jot this down if you're interested. It's the value equals the net operating income divided by the cap rate. So value is income divided by rate of return. And the cap rate is basically the rate of return that investors would expect to get on that type of asset in that market at that time. Historically, that cap rate, that rate of return has been eight to 10% for decades, but now it's compressed down to, believe it or not, four to 6% for a whole lot of assets across the country. And there's even some that are worse than that. Now, the lower the number, the lower the rate of return, which means the higher the price. Mm -hmm. And so in commercial real estate, if you can find a way to increase the numerator 
and compress or decrease the denominator, you can force appreciation. And by forcing appreciation, you can make, have a massive, it'll have a massive impact on your wealth. Here's an example. If you just take $1, so one of my operators who's been doing this for about 40 years says his goal, he flies around the country every week. He's going to one after another, after another asset that he owns. And he said, his goal is to pick up dollars. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I want to just pick up a dollar here and there. So if he says, if he can increase income by a dollar, and that would be increasing revenue or decreasing costs by $1, that $1 is, okay, I'm really good at math, $12 a year. $1 a month is $12 a year. You divide that, remember, income divided by cap rate. So let's take an average cap rate of even 6%. So um, $12 a year divided by 0.06 is $200. Wow, $1 increase in income results in $200 increase in value. But Jason, it's better than that because we're using leverage. And so if we're using leverage, it multiplies the impact by two or three X. So if you have 50% debt, the impact on the equity is double. If you have 66% debt, the impact on the equity is triple. So here's a, here's an, a real life example. There, there's a few things that have been changed to make it easy math. But let's, uh, we have a fund, we have Wellings Capital, my company has two different funds where we invest in mobile home parks, self-storage and multifamily. Now one of the mobile home park operators just bought a mobile home park and again, let's say for easy math, the, math, the number was $5 million. They paid $5 million for the park, they got 60% debt. So they got $3 million in debt, $2 million in equity. Now, they just went out and told everybody that had three or four or five or six cars and RVs and boats <laughs> and work trailers, you guys have got to put these in this new area that we're going to cordon off. So they paved one acre of weeds and they said, okay, uh, we're going to fence this in, put a nice lock gate on it. You get a code and you have to rent this space to leave your third or whatever car, your work truck, your mobile home, your boat. And so they did that. And now they're going out to the community to fill the rest of it up. Now, Jason, they only spent $100,000 to do this, but they're going to be able to rent this at full capacity for $10,000 a month. Let's do the math on that. So $10,000 a month is $120,000 a year. So that's 120% annual ROI because they only spent 100,000 doing it. 120,000 a year in revenue. Now take 120,000, divide it by 0.06 or 6% cap rate. They just increased the value of their park by 120,000 by 6% is $2 million. Well, wait a minute. They've only spent 5 million on it. So they just increased the value 40%. But the value to the equity, because they only have $2 million in equity and $3 million in debt, the value to the equity was double. It went from $2 million to $4 million from one change. Wow. That didn't include all the other things they're doing, like raising rent and other things they can do to generate income. So you, they forced appreciation by this massive lever. Commercial real estate, if done right, can have massive leverage to generate wealth. Wow. Very interesting. What, what is a, a good ballpark range? What does somebody need to invest if they want to look at that for uh, another income stream? So 
the new crowdfunding laws have, which went into effect with the Jobs Act, which a lot of people are familiar with in 2013 or so, mm-hmm. allowed crowdfunding, which allowed people, a lot more people access to these syndicated large commercial deals. Um, traditionally, it's been in the millions. Now it's dropped to where you can invest, say, $50,000. Uh, into get into a lot of these deals. However, crowdfunding has allowed some people to get in at a much lower level. I will point out, Jason, that some of the deals where you can get in at, say, 10000 you know, there's a reason that they're dealing with $10,000 increments, and it might be because it's harder to raise the money. It's not as great of a deal, and they're sometimes hoping that naive people will, you know, people who are uninformed or people who haven't had experience will come in and they, they lower the bar to, to get those people. Um, I would be more comfortable with people who have a 50 or even a hundred thousand dollar minimum. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Good stuff. So, um, so the two new funds you have is, is one for mobile homes and one for the, um, no, actually I'll tell you, we have an income fund that includes diversification of, uh, mobile home parks, okay. self storage, and theoretically multifamily when we can find it. Okay. And so we have 20 assets in that right now. Okay. And uh, we are expecting, we're targeting a 15% or more total annual return. That includes the income and the appreciation. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the income fund. The other fund is a growth fund. We're not targeting any ongoing income from it. We're just uh, trying to get as much growth as we can by appreciation. Mm-hmm. And that fund is targeting a 19% total annual return. And that includes self-storage and theoretically multifamily. Gotcha. That's outstanding. Thanks. You know, something we talked about in our last show that I'm thinking about now is it doesn't matter what you do as an entrepreneur. There comes a time when you've got to kind of pivot and kind of evolve. Don't you agree? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so true. And as much as we want to believe this is all we'll be doing the rest of my life, you know, there may, I mean, many, many times over the years, we've found that there are new reasons to be doing something different. Honestly, if I was, if it was 2008, I would be buying up all the self storage and apartments I could. But right now, apartments don't make sense and a whole lot of self-storage don't. There's self-storage has honestly gotten a little overheated itself and you have to be very selective on what self-storage you want to buy. And mm-hmm. so there, there, there may be a reason for us to pivot into senior living someday, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. The thing that's great though is the transferable skills are, are so important, you know, connecting with people, communicating, basic sales, basic marketing, um, that goes with you kind of no matter what you're doing, you know, so it's right. uh, super duper important. Um, what, what advice, cause you're a, I consider you a very successful entrepreneur. What would you tell somebody who's just getting started with a business is passive income in this, in this area is real estate. Um, even something they should be looking at if say they're doing a hundred grand in revenue a year or should they just keep doing what they're doing? What do you think there? If they have a hundred thousand in total income. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that if they have money to set aside, it would be great if they take a look at real estate as a you know, great place to invest. One thing I didn't mention, and one of the reasons the Forbes 400 love us, is that uh, there are 
tax benefits that are almost outrageous. Uh, the amount of taxes we pay as commercial real estate investors is probably as close to zero as any business. And it even got better after tax reform of late 2017. Nice. Very nice. Very, very nice. Where, yeah. do, you, where do you go from here? What's on your horizon for the rest of the year? Well, we're planning to raise $10 million in each of our two funds. So 20 million total this year. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably close down, well, we will close down new investment in each fund at the end of the year. And we will likely make a few slight adjustments and start again next year with new funds and new investment opportunities. Uh, our goal, like for example, the income fund in years four, five, and six, our goal is to return to to actually do refinance uh, on each of the properties in the income fund, take out uh, enough equity to safely repay the principal to all the investors, give the investors their money back, and then they keep their ownership and they can reinvest their principal somewhere else. If we have a new fund open in, say, year four, where they can reinvest, well, that would be a great opportunity for them to continue to get, you know, now, I don't want to say double the returns, but two income streams in place of one from just planting that one original seed. And at year 10, it will multiply again and potentially be four income streams. And so, and I tell you, when you get up to eight or when you get up to 16 income streams over a couple decades, the, the returns are ridiculous. And I can document this very easily historically and projecting it into the future. Very nice. So let me ask you, kind of thinking about this, um, how do you how do you market something like this? So you're in a very different business than me. How do you yeah. get the word out there about these kind of funds and how do you find the right people for that? Well, I'll go into a little technical uh, detail here and then I'm going to ask you some questions probably um, <laughs> before we're done here. All right. Um, there, and this is more technical than we want to dive into too deeply, but as part of the uh, Jobs Act of 2013, they schedule, they set up uh, what's now called, instead of just Rule 506D, uh, excuse me, Reg 506D Rule A, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, Rule B, now they added Rule A and Rule C, and there's even a few others. And um, so this gives new opportunities for us to do direct marketing of these privately syndicated funds that we didn't have before. So we could sure use some advice in, um, I mean, because we are allowed to now advertise publicly and say, hey, uh, if you are an accredited investor, which is basically a high net worth investor or a high income investor, you can, you can go check this out and invest right now. It used to be up until these rules that we had to have a pre-existing relationship with every investor before we could tell them about the deal. But this is like the difference, I guess you could say, Jason, is if you had a jewelry store with lots of signs out front say, hey, come on inside and check this all out versus having all the diamonds right in the showcase in the window. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what this is. This allows us to have the diamonds in the window. Yep. Now we got to figure out how to best, you know, uh, develop those click funnels. And I know it's really important. I've had, I have another business where it's a passive business for me where I generate real estate leads and I know the importance of click funnels and what you do. And I'm really excited to chat with you about that more. Awesome. Yeah. So one beauty of um, what you're doing with the funds is 
um, between, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn, you know, you, especially with Facebook, but you're able to target specifically target those high um, net worth individuals, which just by targeting them based on some of those things is makes it so much easier than the old approach of let me blast this area with direct mail or whatever the case may be. So you can uh, give yourself a big advantage for just from the finding the right people to get to your funnel. The targeting is just so amazing these days. So, yeah, we've even talked about, um, you know, doing some geo targeting around, you know, either real estate conferences of high net worth investors or even, you know, perhaps uh, uh, high income neighborhoods or even places where other high net worth people gather. And so it's something I'd like to chat with you about. We um, haven't done it yet, but certainly interested in chatting about it. I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was a trained copywriter um, mm. some time ago. And so I would, I'm kind of itching to use some of those skills I, I learned that. from David Garfinkel, John Carlton, and Gary Halbert over those years ago. Very nice. Yeah, the, the, uh, the need for that stuff never goes away. And it is fun to put together a new headline and a hook and see what people resonate with. And um, yeah, funnels are great. You know, we talk about funnels all the time here. And the thing I love about this particular episode is it doesn't matter what you're doing in business. It can be more traditional business. It can be the next big thing, but it all ties back to getting the right people in front of your message, giving them value, get them in your world. And how do you, how do you keep them? How do you keep following up with them in a very automated fashion? So beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. I love it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's some really neat things that you guys could do. Um, you guys, you know, with a high ticket item, like a big investment, obviously, um, Hey, I'm Paul, you want to invest my money? It's probably not the best approach, but there's some ways that, um, you can definitely get on their radar, give them value and kind of start that relationship. So. Right. Good. Let's chat about it. Absolutely. Yep. You want to talk on air or off air? Whatever you want to do, we can, you know, I mean, I would have thought off air, but if you want to do it on the air, I'm an open book. Yeah. We can talk about some of it on the air. I think it's, it's interesting for people to listen to. So yeah, I mean, um, how do you, how do you typically introduce, like if you were able to speak to one of these people face to face, how would you typically introduce a stranger to the funds you're doing? How would, what would that look like? What we have been doing is more of an inbound content marketing strategy. So I write uh, about a blog a week on a a large national platform and I get, uh, I do a few videos as well for them. And so um, when I do that, I get people inquiring. They see my, you know, the signature box or whatever you call that, the the author at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they, they go on, they like the article, then they read up on, they go to our website and then they say, Hey, I want to learn more. And so that's how I do it now. Nice. Um, and there's very few in-person meetings though. I would welcome those if have the opportunity. Absolutely. And remind me in the country, where are you located? We're in central Virginia. Virginia. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. No, content marketing is great. And I love it because it's so relevant and there's so many people that try to avoid it. It's like, do a podcast, do a blog, pick something and people want to, you know, not use any of it. But even if you take some of your best performing blog posts, you can actually uh, use those as, as kind of bait for advertisements, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook. So that's one thing you can do. Um, you can do uh, just a, a number. The, the thing I love about this space and I get excited, as you could probably tell, is that there's, there's so much room for creativity with it, you know? Mm. 
I know where you are. Let's talk about where you want to go. And then we can look at some different ways to do that. Right. One thing that really makes sense for what you're talking about is start with a quiz. So, you know, drive people to a quiz, see what they, uh, what they know about investing or what they've done currently. Then based on your answers, you can give them different outcomes. That's going to help weed out people and qualify people what you're doing. Um, I'm really hot on the quiz thing lately because it's working well for generating leads in a lot of different businesses. Do you think it would work for high net worth people? I do. I think the targeting with the ads is the first step getting in front of them, but it would have to be interesting enough and brief enough for them to engage, but it would really have to kind of be set up in a way to kind of get their curiosity going a little bit. So I think it's definitely possible. Yep. Right. You know, one of the things I, I would say to the vast majority, and, 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 you know, you mentioned earlier that I think you said nine out of 10 people aren't happy with their experience, you know, flipping houses or mm-hmm. on the side or being a landlord. I can tell you that, you know, either they're, they're, they're almost always unhappy trying to find the house. They're almost always unhappy with the renters, but when they hit that critical mass and they can actually hire a staff, and they get up to a 50, 100, 200, even 300. I know one guy in Fargo, North Dakota with 325 units. Um, miserable, mm-hmm. just miserable. And these are almost all small, you know, duplexes or, you know, townhomes or single family homes. And he's dying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so almost everybody ends up regretting going that path. And they realize this one thing. And here's the question I would love to ask. Maybe we can even use this as a lead gen tool. Mm-hmm. Why are you, again, targeting these people? Why are you working harder than you need to, to make less than you could? That's powerful. Because if somebody's in that world, they're like, whoa, this is talking to me. I need to see what this is. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's very true. I can it prove it over and over. Yep. I mean, literally people can either, they can go to the beach and they can make the money, you know, there, or they can stay with their online marketing job or whatever they love to do. Mm-hmm. And they can earn, you know, the same or more money tax. I don't want to say tax free, but tax um, beneficial, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's very little tax on this type of investing. And uh, they don't have to spend every waking moment hammering, you know, either, you know, hammering or painting or doing whatever they need to do or dealing with evictions and all that stuff. Yep. No, that's powerful. You know, it's like work on your business, not in your business. Can't do both. Yeah. You know, it's right. really, really impossible to do both. So excellent. Yeah. Um, if somebody listening wants to hear more about what you're doing or learn more about what you've done, where's a good way for them to connect with you, Paul? Well, they could buy my book on Amazon, which is called The Perfect Investment. Like create enduring wealth from the historic shift to multifamily housing. Mm-hmm. That is about multifamily. And I was dissing multifamily earlier. I still love multifamily. The problem is, it's just at the moment when at the time we're recording this, it's overheated in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also go to our website, which is called wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Very nice. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Super interesting episode for me and um, hopefully the people listening agree. And I'd love to talk to you more offline about your, your funnels as well. All right, let's do it. All right. See you guys. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. To keep up with everything that we're doing, check out intentionallyinspirational.com. Until next time.